Hey guys, welcome back to another Tactical Tip Tuesday. I, I'm super excited. I ran across uh, these two guys on my journey, uh, checking out checking out vendors and particularly people that uh, are kind of partners to dealerships and really kind of focusing on that. So I want to introduce you to some guys uh, that are super awesome. And we had a lot of back and forth lately, and I really love how they go about things. So we have the guys from Fountain Ford here with us today. So we have Steven Jurgella. So uh, and then we have Phil Trebekowski. Is that how you say it? That close hey, enough, Phil? Yeah, you nailed it. That was oh, great. okay, okay, okay. So these guys are really cool. So normally we talk about fixed ups, right? Normally we're talking about fixed ups, but you know, I made an exception for these guys because the way that they go about bringing on clients and the way that they add and the way that they qualify clients before coming on was just so, so needed. It's so, so needed in the automotive industry. So Steven, I want to talk a little bit about the questions that you guys ask as people are coming on with your product and explain a little bit about what you guys do. And, um, and then we'll kick it back over to Phil to talk about the analytics side uh, down the road. Sure. So I uh, appreciate you having us on. Uh, so uh, just a few years ago, uh, we just kind of stumbled into the fact that uh, we, I had observed that automotive uh, marketing companies were, you know, these big, beautiful presentations and these big pitches and all these things. Uh, and what I noticed was, is the amount of time that they dug into the actual store's issues or room for improvement was um, next to nothing. And so I was always a fan of, uh, the you know the diag the medical diagnostic process which is discovery diagnosis prescription prognosis and so we make every single dealer go through a decent amount of friction when they watch our ads and look at our ads they have to read blogs that are 1000 2000 uh words at times and after that they then reach out to us they do an intro call and then they do a, a, a what we call an asa an automotive strategy analysis uh in which they answer questions for about 45 minutes and then we will give them their uh, diagnosis and prescription all for free, uh, in which does take about eight hours of work. Uh, but then our relationships with our dealers, they don't go three months and we get a, a 30 day out. We stay with them for years and years. And so we just don't believe in adding a thousand dealers with our type of, uh, with our type of process and product. We believe that we're going to spend the time to invest in you, Mr. Or Mrs. Dealer. And then once we have our analysis, I'll give it back to you for giving us your time. And of course, if we can help you, I will write that prescription for you. You don't have to take it, of course. Uh, but if we don't, we learn something from talking to you, from your data, et cetera. And so um, we're good with that transaction. I, I think this is so cool. So I'm gonna coin a phrase for you, okay, here, because this is what we do live on here, right? So so my good friend, uh, my good friends at TrueSpot, we talked to him about being the Domino's pizza tracker of the service department, right? So you guys are the telehealth, uh, telehealth guys of social media advertising, right? It's basically yeah. what, I mean, it's very similar to what you do. And you know how big that movement is right here. So once you dive into the data, what are some of the common problems that you guys see? You can kind of go back and forth if you want uh, and kind of tell us what are some of the things that you see as you're going through these clients. Sure. So the vast majority of the time, it's data overload. And so what I, I, I didn't start in actually like the automotive business, if you will, until 2013. But what I, what I uh, discovered when I started was, is that all these dealers wanted more and more data. And then around like 
2015 just had a revelation one day. They don't actually look at it. Yeah. They don't actually look at it nearly to the level that they are able to. And then Phil, over the last six years, uh, Phil started doing this at 17 years old. Um, we just started to put the numbers together. And we just started looking manually, just looking, 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 and then comparing. And then Phil would do a correlation study. And then he would do this and this and this. And then what we found out was if, and yes, social advertising is, is a big component purely because it's the cheapest attention as it sits right now. Um, but we put advertising strategies together based on what the data says, and we'll use Facebook, Google, Outdoor, whatever it is to get to the objective as cheap as possible. Uh, but we're the money ball for car dealerships. So before we run your ads or anything like it, uh, Phil and his team have already uh, pulled the car in. We have opened up the hood. We've taken off the wheels and any weird noise we've looked into. And I don't understand how the uh, marketing companies out there, you pull up your vehicle and they write you the repair order and they haven't even looked at your vehicle. They haven't even run a diagnostic. They haven't even plugged the little thing in. It's here and they do it all the time. And so we, and, and again, uh, a testament to Phil and his team, they pull the car in, do all of that first. And then you're sitting in the, in the service center and you're having yourself a delicious coffee, whatever it is. And we're going to hand you what's wrong with the car. And of course you can choose to fix some of it, all of it, whatever it is, but we just, um, we're the money ball for the car. We just, we believe that the biggest issues, they just don't look. And it, it doesn't mean to be disrespectful, but, um, they don't. A lot of them don't. The vast majority don't. So, yeah. so what I love about Phil, right? This is what I love about Phil. Me and him are both data nerds, right? So, uh, and Phil is very, very, very great at holding people accountable because there's been multiple times where I've missed and I've had to call Phil back and I'm usually pretty good at it. And so Phil holds, holds people accountable really well. And that comes from being a really strong analytical person that can look at data and derive insights from that. So Phil, what are some things that you look for when you're going through these dealers uh, that really kind of stand out um, as you're diving into stuff? Well, so as, as Steve was mentioning, you know, we just started compiling data. And after years of doing that, we also ran into, you know, data overload, there's too much data. So we had to figure out a way to uh, just sort that data better. We have, uh, we've come up with three different levels that we've realized, three primary levels where dealers lose profit. Level one being in-market demand, level two being their website and inventory level, and then level three being the lead nurturing leveler. Once a lead actually becomes a lead, how well is that dealership uh, following up? How are they handling that lead? Are they setting enough appointments? And so there is a there is a you know a level to that where we have to hold our dealers accountable. Um, so that's really the three levels that we look at. You know, so again, in market demand, what kind of mix does a dealership have? And we take that a step further too. And how does that mix convert into leads? You know, does a dealership have too many third-party leads? Do they not have enough third-party leads? So that's uh, that's level one. Level two, this is uh, Steve. If I if I remember correctly, a dealership spends one dollar uh, converting traffic for every fifty dollars that they spend acquiring that traffic. Correct? Yeah, the most recent one I had seen was something like um, something like fifty to one, basically. Yeah. And so um, that is another level that uh, we think is a massive hole is, you know, we can drive uh, as much traffic as we want to a dealer's website. 
if the cars aren't merchandised well, if the pricing uh, is off, um, if the website user experience is poor, uh, users are, are going to defect and they won't turn into leads. And then lastly, you know, let's say we do, uh, we are driving quality traffic back to a site uh, that traffic is converting. Ultimately, it becomes opportunity for the dealership. How many appointments are they setting? That's that level three lead nurturing. And that again, requires a, a level of accountability by both uh, really by our dealers to, um, you know, just encompass a process oriented culture. Um, and if those numbers drop, you know, that's okay. That happens every month is different in the automotive business, but uh, if they drop, let's figure out why let's understand why and let's put a process in place to, uh, to bump those numbers up. And, and one, one thing to, to uh, tack on top of it is, and every dealer, especially when things, when, when they're off, they panic. Right. And I understand why I, I've been part of a dealership before. Um, I have uh, as a partner, I've, I've watched how much money we can blow in a day when things are off. But if you follow this, you win, win long term. And Phil and I use all the time prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. Yeah, no, I, I've heard you say that a lot. And so I, and, and I really love the thing. And what I love, what's so similar between our two companies, right, is that it's all about going back to the foundation, right? This is all before you even start doing ads. Fundamental. all before you start doing anything. It's all about the fundies, right, Phil? All so, about the fundies. Fundamentals. So, so, so you have to be fundamentally sound and you have to know what process they have, right? Do they have a BDC? Are they going to salespeople? I, I got to think that that plays into what you guys do. Um, and it plays into what we do on the, on the service side, right? Do they have a service manager? Do they have a body shop? Do they have a, do they have to, do they have an in-house recon or do they have to send it outside somewhere? You know? So I think that's so important that we have to, what I really love about the company is like hardcore problem solving, right? Hardcore problem solving. Don't give me this. Don't give me this. Uh, I, this is my show. I'll say what I want. Don't give me this bullshit about, uh, don't give me this bullshit about, I just need more traffic. No, what are your actual root causes? And you guys do a lot of root cause analysis um, with your clients to get to those root causes, because if not, you're just treating symptoms, right? Uh, to go along with the theme, right? We're just treating symptoms. And we, and we talk to our dealers specifically during the onboarding process and shout out to Kat, who's our client relations director. Uh, we tell our clients, uh, we are going to go through a process when you bring us a problem of unpacking what the real cause of the problem is. And at times there will be symptoms in which you think we should, we should go towards, um, or we should, um, we should make a change based on that symptom. And I let them know that, and this is a uh, shout out Rick Wilcoxon who gave me this years ago. Um, but we follow AQESC and I'm going to do this every single time. I'm going to bring attention to the problem. I'm going to qualify it all the way until I really understand what the problem is. I'm going to calm the emotions. Don't worry, chill out. We're good. I'm going to get back to you at this date, at this time, we are going to satisfy it. And then we're going to confirm it. And if you just follow it over and over and Phil and I, we do training every month because we all at some point, we just start to go off the road and we go on what we call the attention satisfaction loop. Well, you're just treating symptoms. You never actually solve the problem. Yeah. And so we all do it, right, Phil? So we get back on and I'm like, hey, bro, we skipped the steps there. And Phil's like, gosh, sh sh all right, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. And I do the same thing. I'm like, shoot, I went right to it, right? But 
a dealer that just wants to go and again, I don't mean to be disrespectful about it, but it, it's it's kind of at the core of the industry for a lot of, especially the old school dealers, spaz, if you will, and just, no, I've got to drop a mailer for five grand right now. Well, I have the evidence to show that that doesn't work nine times out of 10. It doesn't actually solve your problem. So do me a favor, give me an hour of your time. Let's unpack this. And your five grand, I'll split it with you. You give me a check for 2,500, you keep 2,500 and you just won't do that irrational mailer or something like that. Yeah, so so here, here's a beautiful transition. You teed it up perfectly, right? So let's talk about results, right? Let's talk about the things that you guys look at to show the dealers like, hey, we are kicking butt. We are doing a good thing. So Phil, what what areas do you look at? There's a lot of different stuff with Facebook. You can do a lot of different things. And we're, we're working on some uh, really interesting things with Facebook recently. But uh, what, do you guys, what do you guys show the dealers to say, hey, look, this is working. This is doing great. You know? Hey, Phil, why don't, you, why don't you unpack like the like Facebook, Google, all the different ads of the title, F- Facebook, Google text, Google GMB, um, you know, yada, yada, and creating that with Facebook and then breaking down into core. Yeah. So, um, well, we're, we're big proponents of media mix modeling. So, you know, we're looking at how are the marketing advertising decisions ultimately affecting sales volume. That's really what uh, we care about most, what we try to show in our reporting and also what our dealers care about most. Like they can say that, you know, they care about traffic, which we do as well, but uh, traffic doesn't always sell cars, car sales or what our dealers care about. So um, when it comes to, you know, our actual, um, to advertising, we have found that Facebook does a wonderful job creating intent, uh, but it doesn't always get people to convert. Facebook creates intent, and then we use Google, Google Paid, Google Organic to capture that intent. Um, That's really what we try to show. Uh, We also show growth in specifically uh, we call the core lead volume or lead volume originating from a dealership's website. We've done a, a case study back in the past that um, core leads close 37.5% faster than an average third-party lead. The average gross is about 47.5% higher. And the closing percentage for core leads is about two to four times higher than uh, the leading third-party provider. So a lot of times what we see with our dealers is Um, They have too low of a percentage of their overall lead volume as core leads. They're not driving enough traffic to their website. That's not converting into enough core lead volume to really sustain and grow sales. They're reliant on third-party lead providers. They're struggling with grosses. Their salespeople are really grinding over those leads. Uh, So that's probably the biggest area of improvement that uh, we try to increase is that core lead volume for dealerships. I think that's so um, spot on because what leads close at the highest rate? The ones that you get off your own website, right? And so if you're if you're putting them in that model and you're bringing them back through there, you're just you're it you're not building cars.com's brand and you're not building auto traders brand and you're not and when when someone buys a car, right? Someone buys a car. Off, and they found it on Auto Trader, and they go to the coffee shop, right? And he's like, "Oh, where'd you get that car? Oh, I got it off Auto Trader." They don't say the dealership's name because that's their first interaction, right? So the cool thing is, is that if you're bringing them through the website and they're doing that, they're saying, "Hey, 
I got this car from so-and-so-and-so dealership, right? Because it's coming off of that web website. And that's what everything, that's what all the contact stuff is, Brandon. And so I think that's so, so beautiful. Now, one more thing I want to touch on, because we're almost out of time. Um, you know, as hat bearing brothers of mine, uh, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta go through the hat real quick, man. And, and let everybody know what's going on with the hats, man. Cause I know it's a big part of your culture. So yeah. I, I want to make sure, I want to make sure I'm not going to get off the, even if we run a little long, we're not going to get off of here until you go through the hat. Cause Phil, Phil described, I want to see how good Stevens is. Cause Phil just described it beautifully when he first, when he first described it to me, he did a really good job. Phil, did you give like the the like the the sentimental unpacking of it? Like, yeah, yeah, the the meaning of the hat. Yeah. So yeah. So um. So all right. Let's see if I can say it in like two sentences. <clears throat> so um, first of all, on the side of the hat is hashtag same here, same here. Uh, this is the actual American Sign Language for same here. Uh, same here is an organization. It's a mental health organization. And what same here means is five in five people uh, experience stress, trauma, and challenge in their life. And so instead of us saying one in five people suffer from a mental illness, it'd be like the American Heart Association only speaking to people with heart disease. It's all about preventative, about lived experiences, about five in five people. So same here is the nonprofit organization which the profits go to. And the specific wording of forward is we lost uh, a good friend of ours, my business partner, um, uh, he died by suicide a few years back. Actually, uh, tomorrow will be four years uh, since Cam passed. And so as much as we always want to move forward, sometimes moving forward is not as easy as the spelling itself, which is represented by the uh, missing letters on the hat. And so that's what the forward hats are. So I, I think that's beautiful. And I think that that's a, um, that's a great ode to, to your friend. And um mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know my hat story, but I'm going to tell you real quick. Please, please. I'll tell you real quick. So when- Can you when show I, it? Can you can you show it a little closer? I can't see it. Oh, yeah. So it's just a fix-ups digital hat. Okay, now, cool, cool, cool. All my hats say here to help on the back. Oh, nice. Okay. Which is, that's in my handwriting. And um, so whenever I got into the car business, you know, I started thinking about, hey, how am I going to brand myself, right? How am I going to brand myself? How am I going to do this? Well, my dad was a plumber growing up. and um, and we wore hat all the time because you're crawling your houses and you're doing this. And, it, and we gave out hats to clients and we did all kinds of stuff. And so it's like a tool for me. And when I put my hat on, that's when my day starts. And so my hat's a psychological anchor to re remind me, hey, look, my day started. When, when I'm done, the hat comes off and then I'm in home oh. mode. And so it's a psychological anchor that kind of goes through. And, uh, and I'll, I'll post a little thing up here on the side. You guys will see it. So there's a little, uh, almost like a poem that I wrote about uh, wearing a hat and why it's important. So that's why I connected so hard with when Phil told me the story. So what I do want to say is we'll put the link down here below. But if you, if you do know someone that struggled with mental health or you do know someone that, uh, or you do want to make a difference, you can go to sameheareglobal.org uh, forward slash donate and you can donate through there. Um, in the memory of somebody that, that, that has had mental health issues or that you, that you've lost. So I want to make sure that we're, we're all about supporting that. Um, and we're all about supporting you guys. I'm super excited. You got to come on here. Like I said, we made exception. We're talking a little bit about cells, which is where I came from. So I get excited about that. 
Um, and, and I get excited. And I, I just want to let you guys know, these guys came remarkably highly um, recommended from one of my clients that told me I would be remiss if I didn't uh, get to know these guys. And, and, and from Facebook itself, too. Not only, not only from Facebook, but also from one of my clients. So I, 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 just, I, I would challenge you to reach out to these guys because um, they're not the normal when it comes to the social media side of stuff. And if you really want to challenge yourself and you really want to make a difference and you're coachable and learnable, you're you're down to be coachable and learn, uh, these are the guys to reach out to. So I appreciate you guys coming on today and uh, hope you have a great, uh, well, this will come out after, but July 4th weekend. So, well, this will come out on the 5th. So, uh, but yeah, y'all have a great weekend. Thanks Thanks for having us, Brad. Yeah.